Hi everyone, welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today I've got Ryan Proctor and we're talking about the power of video. Ryan, so good to see you. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate being on. No worries. How's things? Yeah, man, all good. All good. Um, got a couple of things coming up. Just got, I'm on. Uh, I'm speaking tomorrow at an event. Um, recording a, a podcast today as well uh, after this one. So busy enough time. Nice. So for our listeners, just give us a little bit of background on on who you are and what you do. So uh, essentially what I do is I help business businesses grow their online presence through content creation, primarily through video. Um, I also work alongside Martin Irvine Productions and he supplies the photo. So together we're kind of coming at it from both angles of both photography and videography, all with the purpose of increasing that online presence. Nice, nice. And how did you get to this point so by getting to this point it's actually a long enough story i'll try and keep it as short as possible so my my wife is a a wedding photographer and she's been doing photography since she was about 15 16 um and i've known my wife since we were both 11 so what's that maybe 17 years um but we've only kind of been together as kind of in a relationship since we're maybe since around 17 18 so she was still doing the wedding photography she wanted to pursue it further and make it into more of a business and she seeked the help of a mentor and that mentor said look you need to start using like these softwares you need to start implementing these strategies um to really kind of see it as a success so Mm. like basic stuff because i think at the time she was using adobe photoshop to edit all of her photos and obviously then Lightroom came out and it was like specifically for photographers where Photoshop was more, you know, manipulating photos, taking things away, adding things and like that. Um, And they also said about a website and and all those other kind of marketing principles. So I had always had like an interest in like playing about with Julie's camera. So anytime we went on holidays, I was just like tinkering away being like, all right, let's see what this does. Let's see what that does. But it was never like, I never saw it as being a career for myself. Mm. So she then came in and said, look, I need to learn how to use Adobe Lightroom. I don't want to sit through all the hours of YouTube. Can you do that for me? And then just teach me what I need to know, essentially. So then from that, then I just took her camera, learned the basics on photography, and then learned then how to take these photos and edit them Mm. in in Lightroom. And kind of through that journey, then like really started to fall in love with the process um, a lot of the YouTubers that I was watching, they also did video um, like tutorials. Uh, and I've always been like a big movie buff. So creating stories in a visual way was always just so appealing to me. Like I, I always say in posts that um, when people are trying to say about you know, comparing video to images, whilst they both work hand in hand, sometimes you'll just have an audience that prefers to see the movie rather than read the book. Yeah. Because the book can take, the movie can take an hour, an hour and a half. And I was always that person. I was never a great reader growing up. So movies, I just naturally fell into that category. And, you know, even when the Harry Potter books came out, I opted for watching the movies and, and vice versa, like so many times. Yeah. So then that process, I flicked Julie's camera into video mode. I started making videos about coffee because I was working in a coffee shop at a time and was just kind of like honing in 
the skill of videography essentially and then I think it was maybe about six months into that um, there was a coach over here a well-known coach called Ben Heron he runs the level up coaching program and me and Ben had actually worked in Starbucks like a couple of years back I taught him how to make coffee when he got a job there so he put up a Facebook post just saying um, looking for a videographer that can help me with the promo if anybody could give me recommendations that would be great so I messaged him and was like look I've been dabbling in videography for the past like five, six months. I'd love to do this for you. I'll do it completely for free in case it's absolutely rubbish. So whatever budget you did have, you can just go and pay like a professional. Um, so I proposed that to him and he was all for it. Worked my ass off to create at that time the best possible fitness promo I could ever create. Ben loved it. And then I became his video guy. Nice, nice. Try to keep that as short as possible, but that's kind of where we're at and how I got essentially into uh, videography. It's nice that you've come to it from a, a place of passion rather than seeing it as an opportunity to make money. Well, I think for, because obviously, so before videography, as I say, I was working in coffee shops, but my goal was to eventually open my own coffee shop slash roastery. So I was doing a lot of courses. I was taking a lot of jobs that would provide me with the skills and knowledge that I needed to, to do that. And then kind of once the photography and the videography came along, it was kind of like plan B. You know, if this doesn't work out, I know I've always something to fall back on. Yeah. As I say, as Julie's wedding photography career started taking off and there was more demand for her, I went along with her and like second shot a few weddings. So I'd yeah. be like the B-cam guy who was getting all the filler stuff and things like that. Um, but I say it was never an intention to become a career it was never something I thought that like this is what I'll do for the rest of my life or or even for the next 10 years or whatever um but then as I was working in the coffee shop I was working with Ben more um because over here he would have kind of been the first one to my mind anyway that there may have been other people but to my mind he was the first one to kind of do the whole online coaching side of things yeah so he depended a lot on videography for the running of his business so like every week we were shooting either onboarding videos, we were shooting videos for social media, we were shooting videos for lead magnets, um, everything like that. So obviously the more I was working with him and, and the work we were doing together was getting out there, more fitness professionals then were approaching me to do the video content for them. Um, so during that whole journey then, it kind of went from plan plan B to the main, the main game, the main hustle um and i say my coffee shop hours were slowly slowly dwindling down and it was actually only just before the pandemic that i went full time um with everything that i was doing i was still maybe working one or two days a month in the coffee shop i was in the last coffee shop that i worked in before i kind of left the coffee industry um i had probably one of the most understanding owners there was like i kind of told them that i remember when i sat down for the job i'd said to him uh, because obviously with all my experience on the job interview I just applied for a basic barista job yeah. and he was kind of kind of plug the dots and be like you have all this experience you're going to hate this job essentially and I was just upfront and honest with him I said look um, this is the business I'm building I don't expect me to be a barista forever so I don't want to commit the whole lot of responsibilities for you and then just like leave you high and dry um, and I think through that honest conversation we had he did everything he could to help me achieve that business, even though I was an employee of his. Mm. Um, like 
I had a contract with Jameson's for 12 months, Jameson's Whiskey, and it was actually off the back of, of him that, that got me that. They were launching a new product called the Cold Brew. Um, I don't know if, if you're familiar yeah. with it, but essentially Jameson's ventured into the Cold Brew market and they were using the coffee shop that I worked in as their launch party. So during the negotiations, um, Alan, who was the manager or the owner, sorry, he said, do you have someone who's covering photography or anything like that? And they said, no. And he was like, look, my guy will do this for you. You know, just come. He'll cover the, the event photography for it. Um, and that was kind of it. And he, and he kind of came to me and he said, you know, he kind of showed me what kind of opportunity it was. Um, I'd always had a liking for whiskey. So it wasn't if it was something completely off brand or yeah. off interest for myself. So he came and explained the opportunity. He then said, look, I will pay you out of my own pocket kind of just the extra hours that you're going to have to be staying on and then bill me for whatever hours that you have to edit those photos. So he essentially was paying for that opportunity for me. And I said, I did a great job with Jamesons. And upon further chats, then we talked about how I did videography as well. Um, and I then did all their video content for the next 12 months after that. Nice. So as I say, it was just slowly like videography was just taking over more and more of my focus as kind of the months and, and years went on. And as I say, kind of the pandemic just before that, then um, I went full time and then kind of journey through all that. Nice. So before we get into the power of video, um, something that's come up there, What what's your favorite coffee? Oh, it's a filter coffee. So um, I actually, and again, this is like another, we could, I, I could tell you stories all day. Um, but I actually hated coffee at one point. Okay. My wife remembers when I started dating at like 17. I would go pick her up from the coffee shop she was working in. And she was like, do you want me to bring you out a coffee? And I was like, no, no, I hate that stuff. Like that stuff is rotten. Like just give me a cup of tea every day of the week. And then it was actually her brother-in-law had started making like specialty coffee. So he had an AeroPress. Mm. And there was one day he brought it around for family dinner. And he was just like, look, you're drinking this. It wasn't kind of like an option. It was like, look, I've made you this cup of coffee. I've ground all the beans by hand. You're just going to drink it for the effort I've put in. And the first kind of cup I had, it wasn't awful. And then kind of every Sunday at family dinner then, um, he just made one automatically and put it out. And then I just kind of, same way as whiskey, I just kind of like acquired yeah. the taste for it. And then, as I say, I just, I had a job in Starbucks. Um Kind of, I, did, I did a thing in Starbucks called the Coffee Master Program, and I know the title sounds very fancy, but all you really get is a lot more responsibility and a black apron. You don't get any pay, like <laughs> increase or anything like that. Um, but obviously, you have to learn. You have to be a, a coffee master of Starbucks, essentially. So you have to learn how things are roasted, how they're processed, um, like fair trade and things like that. So obviously, I was diving into that knowledge, and then I had left Starbucks to then work. Um, in more kind of independent coffee shops where I was allowed to have a bit more influence on the quality of coffee, the standard of coffee, uh, and ultimately then the standard of service. Um, and again, then as I was getting more opportunities to apply what I was learning, the passion was growing. Um, but yeah, like coffee now is like a, a, a staple of, yeah. of like my drink. I have like three, three before three is normally the, the cutoff. Um, but yeah, like I used to go, like I actually have on Instagram, I have like a coffee blog called Brothers Brew because yeah. me and my brother used to run it together. 
Um, and like I would have spent my days off going around coffee shops and just taking photos and like reviewing the coffee shops um, because I was that like into a good cup of coffee essentially. And uh, and if you had to pick one coffee now, what would it be? I'd probably say definitely like a black filter, but I would want the beans to come from Ethiopia. Okay. And for them to be processed naturally. So yeah. essentially they've just been once once the coffee cherries have been picked, they're laid out on kind of um big long beds and the sun just dries kind them. of dries yeah, them yeah. all up and shrivels them up like naturally. They're not put through any kind of process. Um, because there's there's either natural or else there's washed and washes essentially they're put in the equivalent of a big washing machine. Yeah, like and a drum. water then yeah, yeah. kind of takes the the cherry and reveals the bean inside where natural they're just left to dry the the coffee cherry dwindles away and then you're just left with the beans yeah so um my favorite coffee is, is a brazilian bean naturally dried um and it was and then roasted in the village i live in and uh but the guy's just quit he's just stopped so um because it's costing him so much to import the beans but um yeah, so now I'm in the market for a new favourite coffee, which is, like, really upsetting. <laughs> yeah, I think it is, like, because a good, a good Ethiopian you only get during the spring and summer. Like, if someone's selling Ethiopian kind of out of season, it's not going to be as good as compared to, like, yeah. the, the hot ones. Um, but some of, like, some of the best places I've got coffee from in kind of the UK and England, Square Mile's definitely up there um and then there was one that i got i think they're located in leeds called star star coffee roasters they were always quite good ozone is quite good and then there's a southern company here uh 3fe they're quite good as well for for good bags of coffee and re- reasonably priced too maybe talking between like seven to twelve pounds for a bag um so it's not it's not going to cost a fortune where i actually buy my beans in the kilo at the minute just because it lasts me the full yeah. month um and it's from a roosters here which is maybe about 30 minutes away um wild heart roosters uh and the stuff yeah the stuff's really good it's kind of like an everyday um drink like yeah yeah it's not like not too bold like yeah not a uh like a saturday night espresso <laughs> no no way i'd be up all night if i had that yeah me too so um, the power of video. What difference have you seen video content make for small businesses? Uh, I think I've seen it make a massive difference. Um, you know, we saw there at the start of the year, Instagram making the announcement that they're putting their focus more towards being a video dominant platform. Mm. Um, and obviously, if we rewind back a wee bit further, the uh, popularity of TikTok during the pandemic and it's just kind of continued to grow yeah. um so a lot more people are getting in front of the camera whether it is just doing like a tiktok dance or whether it is doing like 60 seconds of of value that they're teaching us on a specific subject definitely the past kind of two years or so we have just seen it grow and grow and grow and i don't think it's going away anytime soon mm. um obviously trends and, and what kind of media gets the focus is always dictated on what the market's at. You know, if TikTok hadn't done so well, I don't think Instagram would have came for video as soon as what they had. Um, but obviously we need to remember that Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, 
Twitter, all those sites are still businesses as well. Yeah. So they're going to go with what the market wants, with what's what's popular in the market. That's why at the minute, when we look at Instagram, reels are your best chance at growing organically and getting engagement because obviously Instagram want to be number one. They don't want TikTok to have any kind of real estate in the video realm at all. Um, so yeah, I think once once kind of Instagram jumped on the bandwagon there in January and said how they would be obviously putting a lot more effort into developing their video systems in terms of reels, what you can do on stories, um, just generalized video content. I think that kind of showed that this is the way that we're moving. Yeah. I, I mean, for us, we really found that because so many people got used to being on camera during the pandemic, because it had to be on Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams or whatever, that off the back end of that, everyone's just fine with it now. It, where before it was like a really weird thing that only a few people did. Yeah, I think it kind of hit me how I have a, a one and a half year old, he's almost two. And normally when you ask a child, like who's on the phone, they'll just like hold it up to their ear. And yeah, be like, oh, yeah. But because we would like FaceTime so many people, most of the time when you ask Zeke who's on the phone, he's holding it like this trying to look for them. So that even just shows you like where are like the next generations are going in terms of holding the phone up to your ear, probably be like an alien concept. Yeah. By the time Zeke's like 10, 11, 12, it'll be, you'll either be able to chat to people through your watch, chat to people through your phone. Um, that's just the way it's developing. And I completely agree. I think it's because it was normalized so quickly during lockdown because that's how people had to communicate. Everybody was forced to work from home and obviously businesses still needed to keep their communication as strong as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's why Zoom took off Microsoft Teams. I think Google had one there in there somewhere, um, but it was normalized very, very quickly. So that's even now, like people who you would see making videos on TikTok and on Reels who you thought would never enter into that kind of way of, of producing content are now doing it because of how comfortable they feel. Like even last night, uh, randomly, uh, my financial advisor, who again, in my wildest dreams, I never would have thought was hopping on TikTok trends, just jumped up onto my For You page. And I was so, t- I, I'd honestly say for me, it's the biggest shock of 2022, because normally when he comes in and he's, he's handling business with us, it's he arrives in his pristine suit, shiny shoes, you know, hairs on neat, he has the briefcase. And then I see him on TikTok and like a Nike t shirt in a bedroom jumping on like, trends but again it became normalized it's not it's not out of the ordinary for anybody anymore you produce content in a way that's going to help either them or their business my um my for you page is just full of that rubber chicken doing covers of famous songs (laughs) says says a lot about my scrolling like it's so i think tiktok definitely have a great algorithm in terms of if they can see that you're searching something often enough, like they'll just filter it in and and like kind of an organic way, you're not bombarded by it, but then that constantly changes as your interest change. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something Instagram will still need to figure out um, is how to kind of get that uh, kind of variety of content to the user yeah. um, in a much better way. There's a, um, there's a sense of fun with TikTok that you don't get with Instagram. That it's like It's like the less corporate, little brother almost um and it's interesting because 
my cynicism was that TikTok was going to be just this platform where young people did silly dances for a long time. That's kind of where my head was. And then I realized it's actually kind of like you've been framed for everyone. It's, you, you, it's like there's a lot more interactivity there than you realize and a lot of opportunity there. And then, you know, a lot of our listeners um, follow Gary V. And he's been telling everyone to do TikTok for four years. So it's like. That. I think everybody that understood it kind of knew that you probably had to do some form of entertainment to build an audience at the start. But yeah. if you opted into that, you were going to build an audience very quickly. Yeah. Like I always remember Jamie Alderton, um, when you saw him on Instagram, he was very much like business orientated in terms of giving like tips and tricks to grow your, your fitness business. But then once TikTok started, he was just doing like entertaining videos. So whether it was like, you know, he was making two of himself in the one room. Um, he was doing like editing tricks and things like that. He was pretty much solely entertainment on TikTok till he built the following. And I think, I, I don't know what number he's on now, but I remember when I kind of realized this at the time, he was on something like a hundred thousand followers. Why? That's when he started to drip in a lot of the business stuff. So people who, who kind of grasped TikTok at the start for, for like what it was, because it was like at the start, it was teenagers dancing. Like that's why you have the likes of uh, Charlie D'Amelio, like uh, Addison Ray, I think it is. Like they were kind of the first ones to really get a big following. Yeah. And all they were doing was taking songs and either copying dances that other people had already created or they were making their own dances and they, yeah. they quickly got to uh, kind of like famous that way. So to say, I think when TikTok then arrived, and obviously Gary V was was going on about it a lot longer than than what it's been around. But yeah, people people sought entertainment first, built the following, built authority, and then started to drip in kind of what the real purpose of the platform was for, which could be business related. Uh, most of the time, it is business related. Um, but I think then that's why we still get a feel of TikTok being not a business tool even yeah. though it's just as much of a business tool as what instagram is because our first kind of insights to it were just pure entertainment yeah. almost if you were selling something that almost hurt your engagement you you needed to jump on the trends you needed to kind of have a light heart about it and just entertainment first and then build your business off the back of that yeah for sure so what's the uh kind of like most impactful thing you've seen in your career when working with a fitness professional or somebody else with video i think using using video as a tool for storytelling um has probably been the most impactful thing like we probably one of the most things i talk about um within kind of content creation and especially in terms of video is client testimonials like client testimonials essentially within themselves are many stories. We're looking at someone's state before they joined a coaching program. We're then looking at the journey, uh, the hardships, the struggles, but also the fulfillment that they had during the coaching program. And then at the end, we're looking at, you know, the finished article at that time in terms of they've achieved their goals. They're much happier. They're nowhere near that person. They were three, mm -hmm. six, 12 months ago. Um, so one of the best things I would say for video and that I've seen be most impactful is, is that. I think as well, using video to give a lot of value in a very short space of time um, is probably one of the things that I'm seeing become beneficial at the minute. 
when a coach thinks value over money instead of money over value, there's massive changes there. There's massive kind of rewards there for that. So if people are using reels to either give like, you know, food hacks or mindset tips or workouts of the day, uh, and that's it. There's no kind of like call to action at the end. There's no kind of like hard seal. Like I'm seeing coaches just benefit so much more from that type of approach to content instead of call to action at the end of every post, hitting with the hard seal um, and really, you know, not really getting anywhere. I think as a market, as a consumer market, we've got a lot more sophisticated. You know, we we know we're being sold to, even if it is very subtly. And I, I remember uh, speaking about this a couple of weeks ago on another podcast that I was on, but I came across that uh, nobody likes to be sold to, but everybody loves to buy. Mm. And I think when you approach value at the very, you know, if, if value is the first point to call for when you're creating content, then that's that's where you're at. You're not selling, but people will buy from you because they're getting tips and tricks that if they implement, they're already going to get results for free. And their mindset then changes. If I'm getting this for free, what on earth would I achieve if I paid for the coaching program and was held accountable, had structure, had community, and everything else that comes with that? Amazing. So interestingly, I was on a podcast yesterday with a, a sales professional, and he asked me, what do I think sales is? And I said, sales is giving so much value that the balance tips in your favor and then somebody wants to buy from you. And, uh, and he'd never really, and you've basically just said the same thing that, um, something a lot of businesses get wrong with their Facebook, their Instagram, their TikTok is they think their community are their prospects. And so they forget to serve their community. And actually the more you serve, the more you deserve in a sense. Yeah, like a hundred percent. I think that's we're all in the business of serving our 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 clients. You know, I think um, I love Donald Miller's stuff and the way he takes on marketing and and business. My wife actually got to hear him speak there in April, and I was so envious. I was she was at a conference in Nashville, and he was the key speaker on the last day, and I was literally like a like a minute away from him in the coffee shop in the same block. Um, what he always describes as, as a business, you're not the main character yeah. of the story. You are the guide. You take your client who is the main character and you fulfill them to success. Um, and I think that's where a lot of, not a lot, but I, I, I do see it enough is where coaches or, or business owners like have that main character energy. You know, it's it's yeah. all about them. It's all about what they've achieved. It's all even about what they've achieved for their clients. You know, I'm great. I've done this. I have this world-class system, all this here. When in fact, it should be how the clients use the world-class system. Yeah. Like the results that you've gotten for your clients through their words, not yours. Um, your content should be client-focused. It should be the results you're getting for them, how you've made them feel, how your program has made them feel. Not you are, you know, the instrumentalist of all this. Obviously, seeing through it, we know that if it wasn't for your program, they wouldn't be where they are. But it's how you frame that. It's your mindset around it. Mm. You're either for them or you're for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think I read in, in a Donald Miller book about you're Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're not Luke Skywalker. Um, and, and I think, like, a really easy way for business owners to look at that is, like, the acting world almost. 
you've got those actors that are really delighted that the film has done well. And you've got the actors that are really delighted that they've done well. And and there's a subtle difference, but one is service and one is being thinking you're the hero. And it's, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's it, because like, I think Donald Miller's history was he used to be a screenwriter, so he used mm. to obviously write plays and shows. And he pretty much just took those basis of storytelling of creating characters and applied it to how you can run a business that way um and i think just as you said there like you, you can tell people's motives of the people who are genuinely happy that the film as a whole has done well are those people that are more thinking within themselves being like oh you know i'm i'm the boss here i'm, I'm the main guy i've done yeah. well if it wasn't for me this whole thing wouldn't have happened um and as i say i think I don't see it all the time, but I see it enough to grab attention and, and for it to be a talking point whenever you're kind of looking at coaches and they're kind of thinking like, no one's looking at my content or, you know, the message that I'm saying is kind of falling on deaf ears. And it's all about the approach. It's because they're focusing more on whipping their top off in the mirror and going like, look at my physique than look at these three clients who have dropped 10 pounds in the past month and how they feel or yeah. their new look on life. Or, you know, they're able to finally buy those clothes that they've wanted to for three, four years. Yeah. It's not, that's the difference between what essentially will make you successful and growing on social media platforms to not. Mm. Once once you get past the social media stage and they hit a landing page, they hit a website, they hit a sales funnel, you can go a bit more in depth about you as a coach or you as a business and, and, and what you offer and maybe your experience and why you have this authority. But social media in my mind, should be used primarily to start conversations to then filter them on through your sales funnel. It shouldn't be to sell them straight away or, or to get them booked on. Now, there's times that that will happen. There's times that your content are so good. Your content is so good that uh, a customer will arrive and just say, word enter my car details. Your content has resonated so much with me. Your client testimonials has resonated so much with me that I just know I need to buy. But most of the time, it's giving out value, it's showing clients success and creating conversations that will then guide them along to the next. Yeah, yeah, uh, something I said previously is social media is planting the seeds. It's not, pick it, it's not picking the fruit, that's different. So uh, last couple of questions, you've been, you've been really generous with your expertise, thank you. Um, the first one's a toughie and based on what you said, the second one you're going to really like. So... The first one is, what's the best mistake you've ever made? The best mistake I've ever made is probably looking around me and rushing something that shouldn't have been rushed. I think I saw a lot of people hopping on trends or speaking about a specific thing and thinking, oh, I need to do that to, to be successful mm -hmm. or I need to do that to get better in my business. And ultimately, that wasn't me. There was nothing authentic about that whole process. So I would look at this, I would rush it, and ultimately it would set me back rather than project me forward. Yeah. And, okay, so what, was, what did you learn off the back of that then? I think I learned that um, I'm, I have my reasons why I'm a, a, a businessman, but I also have my goals and what I want to achieve for my clients. And most of the time, the trends I was seeing did not align with either of those. But again, I, I think mostly, and it's just what we've talked about there, I was in more of a money mindset 
in terms of I want to have as, as much finances or I want to be as financially secure as I possibly can be. And, and kind of the, the thought process around yeah. that was then warped to where I thought then this is what I need to do to be financially successful. And it, it wasn't at all. It was sh- like looking at how I can show up, how I can provide value and essentially help change my customers' lives for the better. Um, yeah. Whether money comes through that or not. But in my experience, when you do value first, when you make an impact and you change lives, the money is not far behind. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's huge. Money is a byproduct of success, not an indication of success. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that took me a long time to figure out. Um, met many reasons for it, but I'm glad that obviously it did happen because it, it, it taught me that lesson that I've just talked about. Like that, that is the reason instead of being fueled by money, just be fueled by helping people and nice. the money will, will follow. Yeah. Whereas if you're fueled by money, you're not helping people. And that's not going to, you know, helping people isn't going to follow if you're always looking money. Yeah, you, you, you miss all the opportunities. You don't see the opportunities. I love that. I love that. Right, last question. What's your favourite film and why? This is actually a hard one. Like, I think I've watched so many movies over my time. Well, I will I will judge you on based on your answer. Uh, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure everybody listening will judge me. It's, it's, it's definitely one of those things. I think, like... What, like whenever you said that, the first movie that came to mind was Whiplash. Nice. Miles Teller and, and J.K. Simmons. I watched that. I remember watching that for the first time and then told my best mate the next night. He had to come round to my apartment so we could watch it again. And I think I watched it four times that week. And I could easily sit down and watch that now, even though I could probably go, you know, scene by scene. But closely following that would probably be White Men Can't Jump. I absolutely love that movie as well. I was big into basketball a lot more when I was younger compared to how I am now. And like that movie was just like incredible. Again, I have it like I have a limited edition Blu-ray of it downstairs. That's kind of like sacred almost. Because um, my wife the other day, I have like a big Blu-ray collection of movies. And she was saying about, because we're in the process of moving house. She was like, look, I'm just going to take all those down to the charity shop. Oh. And literally I felt like I've been stabbed in the heart. I was like, no, you're not. If anything, we'll put them in a box. We'll put them into the roof space. And that's it. I was like, but the ones that are staying out, and funny enough, this is what I said. I was like, it's Whiplash, it's Rocky, and it's White Men Can't Jump. Like, those will stay there as staples. Yes. These are evergreen movies that I will all watch regardless. I promised that was my last question, but it can't be now because you've opened up. So you've opened up a whole can of worms. So uh, other than White Men Can't Jump, what's your favourite Wesley Snipes movie? Wesley Snipes movie, probably uh, Demolition Man. Oh, and I think it's because nice. it, has, it has him and obviously Sylvester Stallone in it as well. Well, that's my, like, next, that's my next question. That's my next question. What's your favourite Rocky film? And there is a right answer. Uh, I know I always get the numbers mixed up because I'm just terrible at this kind of thing, but it is, it's the one with Ivan Drago. So I think that's... Rocky three. Four. That's Rocky Four. Or Rocky Four, Rocky Four, yeah. So I always get the numbers mixed up, but... I think, yeah, it's the one with that Ivan Drago. And I think that was made even more the fact whenever I saw Creed 2 and they kind of brought that whole storyline back. Yeah. But obviously it was Adonis's uh, son and then Ivan Drago's son. And yeah. you kind of seen that whole mentality. I loved Creed 2 as well. Um, I actually loved the whole Creed series. It was kind of like, obviously Rocky was like my, my parents' generation and I just kind of came along to it because, well, everybody watches Rocky. 
plus we did boxing when we were younger so sure. it's kind of one of those things creeds like my generation then which i'll be passing on the zeke and whatever kids we have to be like this is a great movie you know yeah, watch yeah. this and obviously they'll see sylvester stallone they'll see rocky in it and we can then just watch all the rockies as well that's amazing yeah i think um so every i always meet people who've never seen rocky and and then i and i'm like oh the first rocky films are a romance film and they're like what are you talking about I'm like, yeah it's a romance it's about a guy dating a girl and they're both socially awkward and and everyone doesn't believe me i'm like oh the second the second film is about uh racism and overcoming like um social differences and uh they're like you are i'm like yeah then then the third film is really really camp and weird but good fun <laughs> i'm like the fourth the fourth film continues in that vein the the fifth film's absolutely awful uh, the and then and then I'm like, and then he comes back as like a 65 year old in Rocky Balboa, and it's actually really good. And and people look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, I think that's that's why I liked about Creed as well, though, to kind of continue that journey. Like, even though Creed was about obviously Creed's son, like you still obviously looked at what life was like when Adrian passed, when Paulie yeah. passed. But he hasn't seen it. I'm about to spoil it, but obviously Rocky gets cancer during it, and he just wants to give up. You know that whole fight. And then Creed 2 obviously develops in more to obviously Rocky and the relationship that he had with his son. Because obviously yeah. his son was was a big part during like five and six. Um, but they, they have said there'll be a third Creed coming out and Rocky's probably not gonna feature in it because yeah. he's now honest on, on, on his own feet. But it's they've, start, they've started started filming. They've started filming. So uh, Michael B. Jordan is directing. It's it'll be his, his first feature film. And yeah, Sylvester Stallone's not in it. Yeah. I think that, and this may open another can of worms and I thought it's okay, but I remember whenever I had a rule with Julie before we got married that she had to watch, what was it, five, five or four movies because she had never watched any of them. Julie comes from a family of all girls, so like these movies just never would have been yeah. on in the household at all. But I said that we had to watch at least one of the Star Wars, which was obviously Empire. Yeah. We then had to watch Back to the Future. We then had to watch Lethal Weapon. We had to watch, uh, and then one of the Rockies as well. So it was four movies that we had to watch before I would either consider marrying her because I needed to see what her thoughts were on all of them. And true to her, she sat and we watched them all probably in the space of a month. We took one a week. And uh, and yeah, and then she, she came to watch Creed with me, uh, both of them, and things like that. But like, there's just movies that from my childhood, which are just like staples. That, yeah, like yeah. even though I have favorites, like if they're on, I'll watch it. It's it's kind of like as well. We have a tradition every Christmas. So on the day that we're putting up the Christmas decorations, um, which is normally like the first week in December, we watch Jingle all the way that night. So nice. it's like the first Christmas. Movie. So before that, we'll not watch any Christmas movies. Um, the first night of putting up the Christmas decorations, when we're, like whenever that is, we watch Jingle all the way, and that's been a tradition for like. Well, it's ever since we got married, so at least five years. Um, but yeah, movies play probably a, a very pinnacle part uh, in a lot of the education and, and things like that. You know, there's even movies that with Zeke now, you know, we watched Hercules a couple of weeks ago and I absolutely love the Disney Hercules. So even just being able to share those moments with him yeah. is absolutely in, incredible. That's so cool. We've lived uh, mirrored lives. My my wife had to pass the movie test as well. and. Um... And then every time we put the Christmas decorations up, we watch 
one of the Christmas carols was filmed in our hometown. So we so we always watch that and then we always watch Elf. That's kind of that that's that day. But yeah, no, Ryan, you've been an awesome guest. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh probably just on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I'm just Proctor Productions. So um very straightforward, very simple. Great. Thanks again. No, thank you, man. You've been listening to the Stay Hungry podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share, leave us a review. I'll love you forever. Visit andyandjoel.com if you want to know more about our coaching. We'd love to hear from you. Take care, everyone.